Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. A little while back, I had a great conversation with artist Rick Lee James about his new album, Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations, which has now been released. Let's give a listen. Untold Podcast listeners, I'd like to introduce you, or reintroduce you rather, to Rick Lee James. Uh, you know him from the Voices in My Head podcast. He's a, a friend of the show, and he's been on here before. And now he's coming to talk about his upcoming and newly released, I should say, uh, album, Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations. So, Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's really great to be back. Yeah. Would uh, would you just give us kind of an overview of what this album is and what you were hoping to accomplish with it? Well, the overview, I, I, it's funny when people ask me what it's about. I'm like, I try to just sum it up in the title, Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations, because <laughs> every, every song on there falls into that category. Um, I think some people have, have thought that it was strictly just a hymns album, like a, a remake of hymns, and it's not mm. specifically. Although every song on there, I would say, is very hymn-like. Uh, I intentionally wrote the songs or arranged the songs if they were like a remake of an old hymn. Uh, I tried to make the arrangement something that would be very congregational. And um, there's, there's something about the way that hymns are structured. You know, hymns go all the way back to the book of Psalms, um, and you can find a very, it's actually the most recognizable form uh, of psalm that we have in the book of Psalms is the hymn form, which is a, a type of hymn that it gives praise to God, and then it gives a reason for a praise to God, and then it reiterates that praise to God all over again. And it's it's interesting, I think those are the earliest uh, records that we have of what we can point to of what a hymn is, uh, so, but the funny thing about it is, you know, if you ask, um, you know, 15 different Christians from 15 different places what a hymn is, they're going to have a different idea about what that is. Absolutely. So for so for the purpose of this album, everything was to be congregational. I was very set on that, that these were going to be songs of praise and they were going to be songs that could be sung in your church. And it was very important to me that um, that they were not um, Jesus is my boyfriend type songs, but... <laughs> But so you they, take Jesus out and it could just be a love song sort <laughs> exactly, of thing, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's that's something that to me makes something that is a hymn and something that is lasting, um, something much deeper. And, and there may be some songs that, that even though I really wanted them to be playable for church musicians and singable, I also wanted them to have some content that hopefully you'll have to chew on a bit and actually take with you and um, and try to think about more. And I, I think that's maybe missing sometimes from some of our modern music. Um, so everything on there is either a hymn, it's a prayer, or it's an invitation. The, the last song is a, uh, a communion invitation specifically, and it's called, Excellent. it's called the invitation. And, um, but it, it can be used in other contexts of just like an in, inviting people to a relationship with God too. Uh, but it does use the metaphor of the table. And uh, so that's that's really what the album is in a nutshell. Great. So uh, so it's worshipful. You can sing it congregationally, um, every song on there. Is there a way um, uh, that uh, worship leaders could go and find sheet music uh, if they like this song and say, yeah, we, we want to sing this song in our, our congregation? Um, is there a way for them to do that? Certainly. Uh, yeah, whenever the album comes out, which I believe by the time that they hear this, the album will be out. But if you go to LifeWayWorship.com uh, or even just to my website, RickLeeJames.com, I will have links there as well. Matter of fact, I prefer you go to RickLeeJames.com <laughs> first uh, and then you can buy the album. Uh, but then from LifeWay, LifeWayWorship.com, uh, they actually have the songs uh, available from the album in sheet music form. 
Uh, they're also going to have um, what would be like loop tracks. I know a lot of churches, even my church, will use um, at times pre-recorded tracks that the band can play along with. If you don't have the biggest church and and you don't have like every instrument part that you'd like to have, um, oh, they they actually make these resources available. So you actually are playing along with the actual tracks from the album. So um, let's say you're just for instance, you don't have a piano player that week or something, but you do have a bass and, and a guitar and all. Um, you can download the music uh, to an app, and then you can select which instruments you want. You can take out the background vocals. You can leave the background vocals in. You can take out, you know, you can leave me in if you want. <laughs> I'll, I'll sing it for you on Sunday morning. Uh, but it's kind of a neat thing that they're offering, and and Lifeway is really trying to help every congregation be able to sing these and and we're actually going to use one of those tracks this sunday at my church um because we don't have quite the full instrumentation that the album oh, wow. had but uh like, like yeah so it's it's there's going to be a lot of resources i think they're even going to have like handbell choir or stuff like that to some of the songs <laughs> i mean honestly over, as as time goes by certainly they're going to have like solo piano music and all kinds of stuff that'll go along with the album so i'm very grateful to lifeway for helping me make this happen yeah it sounds like you put a lot of work and effort and uh, and thought into into releasing this album so it's not just just an album it is uh um well an invitation to a, a worshipful experience and to, I, I, and to involve community with this worship experience i hope so and i just uh, just as a side note real fast i I think it holds up by itself just as like something to listen to in the car too. I feel like it's that's sort of the uniqueness of it. I think, um, but I do really feel like it's it was very important to me that every song be congregational and be something that could be sung together. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, the listeners heard uh, one of your songs last week on episode fifty, uh, and that song was "Oh God, Our Help." Would you uh, care to talk about that for a moment? Oh yeah, oh God, our help in ages past. Uh, just such a great Isaac Watts tune, and it's actually written from uh, I think Psalm 90 is where he wrote that from. And uh, the interesting thing about Isaac Watts is that he grew up in a time where um, you know his church was Calvinistic, and at that time uh, in Calvinism anyway, you didn't sing anything in church except from the book of Psalms. That was the only thing. Mm. And, uh, and he came along and, and started writing these, this new form of praise music that was not very well accepted in churches called hymns. And, uh, it was, it was controversial. Um, he, he wrote entire hymn books of song, songs actually. And I just thought it was very interesting that, Oh God, our help in ages past was sort of his attempt to be, um, conforming to that pattern of we're singing from the book of psalms but at the same time uh we're, we're singing a hymn and trying to put something modern that I, I can't remember exactly the phrase that watch used right now but it was something akin to what we would say why does everything have to be a funeral march you know whenever yeah. you're singing yeah. praise to god <laughs> so very interesting so i just tried to match that uh with the song um the verses are are really the same verses if you guys heard last week on the podcast which by the way i really appreciate you playing that um but then i just added in a little chorus to it that i felt like um would sort of accentuate maybe in the spirit of what watts was doing trying to make it a little more modern and feel but also i wanted it to be very trinitarian so the chorus the the chorus is very focused in on you know today tomorrow and ages past the Alpha, the Omega, the first and last, who is, who was, who is to come, the Father, the Spirit, the risen Son. And uh, and so that was it's it's not a, a huge change to the song, but it's enough that I really was just trying to place that emphasis on the Trinity and on God and and even the risenness of who Christ is in the midst of it. Yeah, and I picked up on that uh, that addition uh, when I was listening to the track and I, I really appreciate it. Um, there is a uh, I want to say a lack of um, Trinitarian um, uh, thought in uh, Christian circles, e- even uh, amongst um, seminary graduates at times. Uh, and that, interestingly enough, at the Untold Podcast, if you go to our submissions page, we have uh, requirements for our authors that you have to believe these certain uh, pillars of Christianity. It's basic orthodoxy, but one of the main ones is, in there is, is the Trinity. You have to believe that there's one God who eternally exists in three persons. Um mm. And, 
and it was the Trinity why I put that in there. Um, sure. Coming across uh, quote unquote Christian uh, artists and authors and people that were being promoted uh, across the whole spectrum of art, uh, whether in uh, music or novels or uh, film or whatever, uh, claiming um, historical Christianity and yet uh, very publicly denying um, the existence of the Trinity. And, um, and I looked at that like, wait, and this doesn't make any sense. And, and a lot of people, as I talked with them about that, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, it doesn't mm. matter. Oh, no, it does matter. <laughs> we haven't thought deeply about this. And, That's right. and I was horrified. Like, what if I wind up producing an author who explicitly denies, I mean, cause I, you know, I want to check in on authors as best as I can, but what if I happen to, what if I'm promoting the work of someone who has, um, denied the, the deity of Christ, who's denied, mm. um, God's uh, very nature as he's revealed himself in scripture. Uh, and I don't want to be in that position. So then we put in the orthodoxy clause and defined it, it defined it pretty uh, broadly, uh, sure. for, for historical Christianity. But, uh, I, I picked up that in the song and just, ah, oh, yeah, that's well, good. And that thank makes... you. And thank you for deviating from the, um, uh, the usual, uh, father, uh, son and Holy spirit. Not that, that there's anything wrong in that formula, but in uh, scripture, it often changes the order for, um, sometimes specific purposes. And I, mm-hmm. I deeply appreciate that. So that's awesome. Thank you. Oh, my my pleasure. Thank you. I'm, that just warms my heart to know people are picking up on that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, you can you can win me over. Just just mention Trinity or uh, sort of Trinitarian <laughs> formula. I'm there. I, we're friends for life here, Rick. Well, uh, the, ne- the next <laughs> album is the Trinity album. There, there it goes. <laughs> Buy it for the whole church. That's right. um, so today, uh, after the story, um, we're uh, going to close out this episode with. Christ is Lord. Uh, talk about that album and a little bit, or that song, excuse me, and, and what sure. went into that. Well, I, that's actually the first single. It's the first song on the CD. And uh, at the time of recording this, again, we're we're seven days from when the album releases, and man, I'm I'm thrilled. People seem to really be liking it. As of today, it has twelve thousand views on the music video on Facebook, which is just I, I did not expect that, especially before the album releases. Wow. Um, and I, I I intentionally wanted to release the album at this time, partially because of that song. Um, Christ is Lord, Christ before me, um, is the subtitle to the song. And it's inspired by the prayer of St. Patrick or the, the breastplate prayer of St. Patrick. Yeah. Um, I, I have been hugely inspired, um, by the ministry and the life of St. Patrick. And I'm, I'm a little shocked to find out how little I knew about Patrick until I was in college and then how little our society really knows about Patrick. But I, I'm of the mind. Uh, I wrote about it a little bit in a book that I wrote a few years ago called Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. And um, it lent itself when I was talking about Psalm 42 to talk about uh, Patrick. And um, he was was just a – I honestly don't think that we would have Christianity in the West without the influence of Patrick. And we may not even have civilization as we know it without him. Uh, and it's – it's just very interesting to me that all we really think of when we think of St. Patrick now is the color green and shamrocks <laughs> and green beer and, and there's some weird story about him, you know, chasing and, the snakes yeah. out of Ireland, which there never were snakes in Ireland. So that's the, <laughs> the other thing. They haven't had snakes there since the Ice Age, from what I understand. So, um, it, it's very strange, but. Uh, so the song is is inspired um, really from Patrick's life, and there's a, a prayer attributed to him, which most most scholars don't believe he actually wrote it, but it was supposed to be written very much in the spirit of St. Patrick and what his life and ministry was about, and that's called the Breastplate of St. Patrick. And uh, there's a couple different versions of that prayer. Um, one that starts with, uh, I bind into myself today, and then another version that starts with, I arise today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in a, a moment here, I'm going to be reading uh, the arise version, but the song that I wrote, we actually used, uh, Eddie Kirkland was my co-writer, and we used the term, I bind unto myself today, sort of um, calling upon sort of the armor of God type thing of, of binding Christ unto ourselves as we begin this day. And it's, it's again, it's a powerful, um, it's a powerful prayer. And I hope we did justice to it music wise, trying to put some of that into musical form. And I've just been thrilled that that people seem to really be 
um, resonating with that song. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. I it's certainly not the first um, version of the breastplate that I've heard uh, put to instrument. Um, and, and there's some really great versions out there. The one that comes to my mind is um, uh, the uh, Celtic group Iona had put out a, a song, and I, I don't remember what the name is. It might have been Breastplate or uh, uh, St. Patrick or something like that. And it's pretty good, but it's very esoteric. Um, uh-huh. and, and it's kind of, you know, background music or, or you know, while you're writing or uh, driving around in the car. Uh, what impressed me about uh, your version of it is it, it is congregational. I can sing it. Mm. <laughs> I can sing along with it. And, and I don't think... Um, I, I don't think us non-musicians uh, appreciate the difficulty of doing that as much as, as we ought to. I mean, look at the Psalms. Um, I preached through book one of the Psalms uh, a few years ago, and, and that went extraordinarily well. And I, I started this project of, okay, I'm going to find a song, some some artist who's done a song of each version of these Psalms. And I, I did pretty well. Um, but there were a few I couldn't find, and there were a few that were just awful, uh, just yeah. bad. And it wasn't because, and, and some of them were by really good artists, and it wasn't because they were bad artists. It was just it's really hard it is. Uh, to put some of this stuff into music that you can sing with, and, and that's what impressed me about uh, Christ is Lord. Uh, that I, I I I can sing to this. I, I can follow along. This feels like something we can sing in church, and I hope you're singing it uh, at your church this weekend. We, we are, oh, yeah, good. we are. We're <laughs> we're really emphasizing Patrick this weekend at our church, and, and we're a Protestant church, so it's not like we're you know we we revere the saints all that much. But <laughs> right. I, I just feel like his story is worth telling. That's actually I'm going to be preaching this Sunday. I asked specifically. I never preach at my church. I said, can I please? Uh, <laughs> just because I I think people need to know and hear this story. And my pastor agreed. And, and so, yeah, this Sunday we are focusing on that. Uh, but thank you. I, I, and honestly, I wish I could say it was easy to do and it just came to me. Uh, but I, I probably tried to write songs from this for close to 15 years before wow. I felt before I felt like I had a version that I felt like was really singable. This one came together in a matter of a few days once I finally got the rhythm of it but I, I mean the prayer had been inspiring me and i had tried numerous times to write one from it before and had, had failed and failed and failed so this is um it, it, it again it warms my heart thank you i'm i'm so glad that I, i'm thanking god that he helped me and and my friend put this together because it really the song means a lot to me but the where it comes from means a lot more and mm-hmm. i i just hope hope that we could somehow honor the legacy of Patrick and what Christ uh, did through Patrick, um, because I, I feel like he's on par with the Apostle Paul, at least as far as one of the most influential evangelists that the church has ever had. And it would be sort of like, I joke with my pastor about this, but I'm very serious about it too. Um, it would be almost as if like, you know, um, 800 years from now, uh, we remembered Billy Graham's birthday by going out and getting high, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, St. Patrick's Day is sort of like the biggest drunken party and people don't know why they're celebrating other than it's like, ah, it's Patrick's Day. And I, I just we have an excuse to get drunk. Yeah, yeah, just, exactly. And I'm, I just feel like it's such a, a dishonor to the, they're not even getting drunk for the right reason. It's just, it's just yeah. drunk. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately the way things are. To the pure, all things are pure. To those, uh, right, uh, right, it, it really is. I mean, we um, uh, are unfortunately in a society that tries to debauch um, all the good things that we have, and yeah. um, uh, we could go on that topic for a while. But the truth is, is that it it is a nice. I like the smaller holidays like this, um, not because I go out and get riotously drunk and puke in the <laughs> Chicago River or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I appreciate quiet moments like this, especially as a pastor, where I have to come into a situation and uh, you know Christmas. I, I love Christmas. It's so busy. It's so hectic. And even if I wasn't a pastor, it'd be busy and hectic. Yeah. But but as a pastor, it's more so. Same thing with uh, with Easter. And uh, but I like these kind of super minor holidays that uh, no, sure. I don't have to make a big deal out. We can have corned beef and cabbage and um, <laughs> and reflect a little bit on um, on some of the the heroes of the faith and and yeah. uh, our history and. Um, it, it really is good. Um, I had seen, there was a, uh, Saban, uh, entertainment who did Power Rangers put out an 
awful, awful St. Patrick's movie years ago. Wow. Oh, it was just terrible. I think I still have it somewhere, and uh, I'd watched it a few times, and I was like, I'm going to make a tradition to watch this every uh, St. Patrick's Day. No, <laughs> that, 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 that lasted once. <laughs> um, but, but you're right, it is a story that uh, often is, is uh, never told or, or um, poorly told or wrongly told. Yeah. Uh, and, and the details are, are somewhat fuzzy at times, but, uh, mm-hmm. but there is, there is some commonality and there's some historical truth to, and uh, if, to, if, I was just going to say, if I could too, if I'm not going to get into his story so much tonight, but if you go to my, either my YouTube page or my Facebook page, I actually have about an eight minute video, uh, that ties into the song and it does tell the story of Patrick. And there's, it's just a really nice video. A friend of mine helped me make, um, it's, it's a little bit like the music video I made and there's elements of the music video in it, but it, uh, we really wanted to, to be faithful and tell the story of Patrick and, and try to go with the facts that we knew. Um, so if anybody wants something concise, um, that, that one too, it just, I think that one's had about 5,000 views already and people have been telling me they're going to play it on Sunday at their church just so they can oh, wow. kind of tell the tale of Patrick. And that just, that, thrills my heart i'm just so glad that people are finding benefit in that and anything to um to lift the name of christ which is really what the the breastplate prayer is all about excellent i'll uh, I'll put a uh, uh, link to that in the show notes and oh thank you um and and your website and the album and all that stuff so that uh, our listeners can find it easily great i appreciate that so uh uh what is the uh the breastplate uh what does it actually read uh yeah, let me let me read it and I'll just make one comment before I yeah. I read this. Um I, this prayer and I I hope that my song can do just a little bit of this. Uh but there are times that I need a prayer like this to remind me of the power of God and the that Christ is Lord. And that's a that's a phrase that's lost on our society so often, but but just the declaration that Christ really is king over all things and and that with Easter coming up so rapidly, um, it's, it's, I think, a beautiful declaration in this prayer and a reminder that while Patrick was, you know, well over a dozen times, his life was nearly taken and he was a slave and he was uh, taking captain and had a very hard life. This was really the heartbeat of who he was. And so this is the prayer of St. Patrick. Uh, and I'll be using the version that starts with, I arise today. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through the belief in the threeness, through the confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth, with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion, with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection, with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment day. I arise today through the strength of the love of cherubim, in obedience of angels, in the service of archangels, in hope of resurrection, to meet with reward, in prayers of patriarchs, in predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faith of confessors, in innocence of holy virgins, in deeds of righteous men. I arise today through the strength of heaven. Light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me. God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of demons, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and near, alone and in multitude. I summon today all these powers between me and those evils against every cruel, merciless power that may oppose my body and soul against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of women and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me abundance of reward. Christ with me. 
Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Amen. Mm. Uh, it is a constant reminder um, of what we need in our not not even daily, hourly, minutely. I don't think yeah. minutely is a word. Walk. Um, that's something I I've I've thought for a while as we um, um there there are some older pr- prayer books. Uh, the Valley of Vision is one of my favorites that I go to. Um, and this prayer as well. But we we have fallen out of um the habit of writing prayers in the Western Church and uh, um, modern prayers mm. and. Certainly, certainly not as an art form. Um, mm. And uh, <clears throat> I think Patrick, uh, yet again, um, teaches us <laughs> yeah. how to love better our Lord. Yeah. That that line specifically that always gets me are the lines of, again, I talk about the irony of people celebrating him and not knowing <laughs> yeah. uh, what he's about, <laughs> but the, you know that Christ would be in the eye of every person who sees me, and Christ would be in the mouth of everyone who speaks my name, and Christ would be in the ears of everyone who hears mm. me. What a what a beautiful way of consecrating yourself unto Christ and saying, you know, yes, may may Christ be so in control of me that when I speak, it is Christ they hear. You know, it's just I, I love that. I just love it. Yeah, amen. Very good. Well, uh, Rick, thanks so much for uh, for spending some time with us for this episode of the podcast. And listeners, I encourage you to go to rickleejames.com and uh, pick up a copy of this uh, wonderful album. I've listened to the whole thing, Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations. Uh, and also, uh, if you're into podcasts, which obviously you are because you're listening to this, <laughs> go on his website, you can find uh, his podcast, uh, Voices in My Head, which is a great podcast. Uh, you want to speak briefly about what Voices in My Head is about, Rick? Sure. Um, Voices in My Head is my podcast. We're up on uh, episode number 162, I think, by the time you hear this. And I call it Voices in My Head because I have a lot of different interests, everything from music to theology and pop culture and movies and books and comic books and all sorts of things. So I have authors on the program. I have uh, Christian artists mostly. Uh, we've had a few that, that do uh, secular music as well, but are believers. Um, I've had authors. I, I had the, the author that wrote Rambo actually on uh, not too long ago. I had a great conversation with David Morrell, um, wonderful author and interesting guy. Um, so I, we, we do a lot of things this past week. We just did one um, about the refugee crisis, and I had a, a friend on who just three weeks ago um, was over in Croatia and was um, helping and, and is making some videos and things of how to help with people who are so displaced and so many thousands. So I, I try to deal with a lot of different things uh we're we're silly sometimes but we're we're also (laughs) we're also very um we're very christian minded i guess i would say so all things i put through a christian lens and and you know we had your crossover show that you did with me at christmas and that was just that was just a fun one where we talked about superman santa and superman (laughs) so there's there's a few of them that are offbeat a few of them that are very serious but i i try to make it something very uh, good quality each time and have interesting guests and it's it's just a joy uh to get to do a podcast so voices in my head if you're looking for another one um i i try to put them out fairly regularly uh, now that I'm a dad, I don't do them quite as regularly as I used to, but I at least try to do a couple a month. Well, great. Thanks so much. Listeners, uh, be sure to head over to www.rickleyjames.com and check our show notes for all the links to the things we talked about today. Thanks, Rick. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Be sure to stick around at the end of the show to hear one of the songs from the album. Our story this month is brought to us by Matt McKinney. 
known to listeners as the host of the YouTube show POS TOS and frequent contributor to Christian Geek Central. He is currently narrating Deep Space Nine Shawarma after the end credits of the Spirit Blade Underground podcast. You can find his show over at www.pos-tos.com or head over to the show notes for the direct links to the YouTube channel. Today's story is the second sequel to episode 20's story, The Saving Thunderclap. I'll have links to the previous stories in the show notes. So now, gather round as we present Golden Failure by Matt McKinney. Would ye like to hear about my greatest failure? The one time in all me long years when I was outsmarted by a mortal. A mere human. Well, shut up ye, cause that's what I'm talking about today. <laughs> I tease ye, of course. Telling me stories to humans is kind of what I'm all about, but perhaps I ought to explain that firstly. I am what ye humans call a leprechaun. Now, as I've stated previous, we ain't no little magic midgets full of tricks and nonsense and the like. We're living beings, just like you. The difference between a human and a leprechaun are, well, there's actually a lot of differences, but the most important one is that we have access to magic. Magic based in our gold. Oh, I hear ye thinking already. How can I get a hold of some of that there gold for me, lonesome? And that thought, as unbidden as it might be, is exactly what me purpose in this life is. I'm a storyteller. And the stories are tragedies. The tragedies of men and women thinking they got their wishes granted, only to find out they were far better off before they decided their own fates. You see, the nature of humanity is greed and lust and ambition. It's the curse ye all have in your bones, and I'm here, as with me fellow leprechauns, to maybe get just a few of you to knock off the easy stuff, and maybe, just maybe... Try to be what ye were made to be. Over the years, I've juggled more than my share of sad stories. People who caught me and got me gold coins, each coin being a wish granted. Invariably, they take more than they ought and wind up paying debts they incurred through me magic that few men could possibly earn in a normal life. Ye heard of the tragedies of the legendary ones like Alexander the Great and Cleopatra? <laughs> no, I weren't behind them. I'm not that old. And I know for a fact that Alexander had nay help from any fairy folk whatsoever. But those are the sad tales of the top. Men and women who stood above their kind and reached far into the future to affect nations and cities and people they could have never imagined in their times. These are the destined few who turn the stream of history and the scales by which they're weighed. The reward of their choices, both kind and cruel, are just more. The poor fools who take me gold, though, they're taking those weights on themselves, and they always break under the burden. Always. One day, I found myself in the rare position of having not to do for a day or two. The mill was running just fine and wouldn't need any work for a stretch. Of all my, er, clients I was working on, you don't honestly think I granted the wishes of only one person at a time, did ye? None were due for a visit for at least a fortnight. By the luck of life, I had little to do, so I decided to head on down to the creek and float for a day. I've never understood why you humans like to fish. Call me an iconoclast, but if I'm drifting alone in me canoe, I really don't want to stop to dip a hook in the water. I can buy a fish if I'm craving one, you know. So there I was, drifting along, enjoying the sun, when a stinging pain snaps me in the shoulder. I reached back and yanked out a grimy old hook, smeared with some sort of rank leavings. The hook tried to fly out of me hand, tethered to the guilty party round a nearby bush. But the leprechaun's got strength to make up for his legs being so short, and so the mystery fisherman suddenly found himself angling against quite the lunker. 
The line tugged and pulled, but I wrapped the line around me hand a few times, making sure not to stick myself again. And finally, the pulling stopped. I kept a hold of the line and paddled me way in past the bush to face me attacker. And a young girl, maybe ten years old, stood shamefacedly, attached to the offending line. Is this your hook, wee one? I asked, my anger slightly abating, though only slightly. Yes, sir, she said, her eyes downcast. I'm sorry. It's not smart to cast where you cannot see, darling, I said sternly. You're lucky you only snagged me shoulder. Can I have my pole back, mister? She asked. I gotta catch my supper. Some part of me said to just give her back her hook and move on. But then again, how often did I get to spend time with a human who wasn't trying to get me gold? I invited the girl to join me in the canoe so we could fish from the center of the lake, where the big fish were. She accepted with a winning smile. The afternoon passed nicely enough, though the girl, whose name I learned was Alice, was not exactly the shy Southern Belle type. Let's just say I learned her name within the first minute. Still, I set my frowns aside. Here was a nice girl, a chatty girl, but a nice one, sharing a lovely day with me. It would be hard to get too annoyed at that. Went off as soon as he was sixteen, she said, as I noted that she wasn't even casting her pole anymore. We ain't seen him since, but now that the war's finally over, we's hoping to see Jay come on up over that hill any day, and I aim to have him a nice catfish dinner ready when he does. Mama says not to hope that too many of our brothers been dying to have any hope, but... But you didn't want to give up your hope, I offered after a moment of silence. He ain't no rebel, Alice said staring ahead like this was a thought she'd never spoken aloud, but had thought time and again. He's got nothing the Yankees would want. He just went to fight for Tennessee. I said not a word for quite some time, and I knew something was up with Alice, because she didn't say anything either. Finally, I broke the silence. Ye know, if catfish is what you're looking to catch, we might be better off fishing from the shore after all. I know, she said still looking northward as if expecting to see something on the horizon. But I thought you could use the company. I paused for a moment. I weren't usually the one behind in conversations. Alice looked back at me, and I found myself laughing out loud. She joined in with the laughter as I dipped the oar into the water to head back to the shore. Hurrah, Uncle Roger! Alice called out to me as I carefully maneuvered past the ice patches. No winter had been this cold in these parts for quite some time, perhaps longer than any human living here could recall. I'm coming, I grossed. But ye got to be patient, lass. I'm not a young man, which was true in more than one way. I carefully stepped past a particularly nasty patch where a gutter spout had drained all the day's scant melt-off and just spread it out all smooth-like across the path, only to freeze again. "'All the good food's gonna be gone, you old coot,' she taunted. "'Then head on without me,' I said back. "'I nay gonna slip and break me neck just to get ye a bigger slice of pie, Alice.' "'I'll wait,' she said, all her fidgetiness gone in a heartbeat." I got something to ask you. Ask away, Hoy said, nearly dropping even as I did. I've nothing to hide. Alice got a strangely intense look on her face and looked me right in the eyes. I'll ask ye in private, Uncle Roger. As we both made our way into the Jephthah town hall, I made me small talk with the townsfolk, but Alice, uncharacteristically, wasn't chatting with anyone. She led me directly to a quiet corner where the chairs were stacked. I could, of course, see and hear the Christmas partiers, but they seemed intent on their snacks and dancing, too busy ignoring the troubles of the day to pay us any mind. "'I've been studying again, Uncle,' Alice said, without preamble once she checked for eavesdroppers. "'Well, I should hope so, young lady,' I responded. "'Those fancy colleges won't take them that won't study.' They won't take me regardless, uncle, she said bluntly. You know that. I know that. 
I ain't got money. I ain't got influence. And no northerner is going to sponsor some lowly southern orphan. Darling, I said, your grades are darn near perfect in school. I'm sure Miss Party would be happy to write you a... What color is my dress, uncle? Alice interrupted. I said nothing. So she spoke again. What color? No jade, no emerald, no teasing me and calling it blue. What color? I said nothing. I could say nothing. And I feared that Alice knew exactly why. I told you I'd been studying, she said. So why didn't you tell me? Because you don't want this, Alice. Trust me. What I don't want is to sit in a quiet house waiting for some son to leave or some brother to not come home or some harsh winter to take away my life's work or any other mundane, meaningless tragedies to wipe me away. I want to matter, uncle, and you can make that happen. Alice, I pleaded, these wishes are curses. No one can get what they want and it not eat them up. Trust me. I've seen it far, far more than ye know, girl. How can I pass up this chance, uncle? She asked. My own uncle, my my foster father. Let's not kid ourselves here. Is a lep. After she didn't finish the word, I sighed slowly. <sighs> Thank ye for not saying it out loud. Parson Anglewood? She asked. He found that coal and struck it rich. Was that you? Yes, it was, I said. And do you want to know the end of that story? Do you want to hear about what happened and when he bet all that ill-gotten gain on the wrong horse? Where they found his hands? His feet? His... I always listened to his sermons so well, Alice said, seemingly to herself more than to me. She got a distant look in her eyes, and for a moment I saw hesitation in them. Perhaps she'd be wise enough to avoid the trap. I want the gold, Uncle Roger, she said after squaring her shoulders. I want every gold coin you can give me. I know what I want out of life, and it ain't going to happen in this little town. Can that happen? I figure that I caught you with that hook eight years ago. I sighed and took out me satchel. Ye caught me that day, lass, but weren't with a hook. A leprechaun doesn't live an anchored life, and so when Alice left town within the week, I found very little to keep me in Jephthah, Tennessee. I'd heard that there were some great opportunities out west, so off I went, in no great hurry. Me mundane life was just that. Mundane. I could just appear to anyone who held even a single gold coin, so I knew I'd see Alice again. I just wasn't looking forward to it. Uncle Roger! Her sweet voice greeted me a year after our last Christmas party together. The campus was elegant and clean, with young people darting here and there on their urgent errands. There were classes to attend and friends to meet. Alice seemed right at home here, her smile just a bit brighter than it had ever been in Jephthah. She embraced me, and I could feel her trembling with excitement. This place is fantastic! I could spend a decade taking classes here, and I'd never get bored. There's dances, and the library, and the food. I, I, I don't know what to show you first. I'm afraid I can't stay long, Alice, I said flatly. I'm here to ask if you'd like to take the thunderclap clause. You mean do I want to give up on my wishes, Uncle? Alice laughed out loud. I laughed I'd heard far too often over the many, many years. No, Uncle Roger. I've just started using them. I, I, I'm happy for the joy you feel in love, I said. But I have errands to make. I'll see you in a year then. Alice stopped and faced me, almost as if remembering something for the first time since my arrival, which, being fair, was scant minutes ago. Can't you stay at least a little? she pleaded, and even before she finished speaking, her eyes had captured me again. Is there any place we can go boating, lass? I asked.
The next year, I didn't arrive until night time. Ordinarily, I thought not in a step right into Alendi's room. I've interrupted no small amount of intimate events, but then those Lendies didn't call me uncle. I knocked on her door. Other than Alice having to slip on a robe, though, I need not bothered. She'd been fast asleep, but in less than a twinkling, she was bright and alert once she heard me voice. She closed the door to her room right behind her, and we were alone. I'll not keep ye, lass, I said. Just checking in. Do ye want out of the bargain? I see ye've been using about a hundred coins a year now. Oh, uncle, she beamed. I'm doing better than ever. Are you sure you can't stay? Even as I was about to speak up, there came a knock on her door. She opened it slightly, and I could barely make out the handsome features of the young man. Um, I hear you're the one to go to here, he began, but then his eyes flicked over to see me. Is this a bad time? Yeah, it kind of is, Alice said. Talk to me in the morning. You know what I want, so be ready with it. Ain't nothing free. Yes, ma'am, he said, and his eyes catch mine again just as the door closed once again. Seems you're busy here, I said, so I assume you're not wanting out. That night, after returning home, I paid special attention to me wallet. Sure enough, early the following morning, a couple more coins flickered back into me wallet. Over the years, I watched a cursed young lady grow into a happy woman, and me failure continued to baffle me. If anyone was going to be spared the curse of their own greed, I'd want it to be Alice. But no one had taken that many coins and survived more than four years thus far. She'd taken over three thousand coins, every coin not held by any Lendees. Yet her life never rotted away. No one seemed intent on taking back what she'd taken, no jilted wives coming to fight for their bewitched men. I didn't know whether to be relieved or terrified. At age twenty-eight, Alice was living in a well-appointed room, not far from the riverside. We went out on her new boat, a three-man ferry. It handled much better than my old canoe. In 1892, Alice convinced me to spend the week touring her university. I sat in on every class she taught. Everywhere on campus we went, obsequious students and lesser faculty greeted Alice, and she seemed to drink the praise in. Her face was beginning to line, but it seemed with age, and not any undue weight upon the lady's soul. Just what was this woman to bear up under the toxin of gratification so well? She even took an entire day off. A rare event, if her assistant was to be believed, and we walked through the town. Yale was hardly Jephthah, and yet no fewer people greeted me and Alice in this city than in that sleepy little hamlet. I'd seen many a tin pot steal the love of their fellow man with me gold, but this was a milk that always soured easily. Why was Alice untouched? My visit in the year of the centennial saw a new wrinkle in the mystery of Alice's sustenance. With the dean's sudden death, Alice did a thing she'd not done since that cold, cold party so long ago. Only twenty-seven years, actually, but for the first time, time was moving too fast for me. Alice asked me for advice. I could be the first woman dean in this school's history, uncle. She paced back and forth, her voice catching every now and then. I could be famous for all time. That's what ye always wanted, ain't it, love? I asked. That's why you made this happen, didn't you? Alice looked confused, but then resumed her pacing. The thing is, I like where I am. I'm doing just what I always wanted since I was little. I feel like... I feel like I gotta do a thing I don't want to, just cause it's what people expect. Neither of us said a thing for a moment. 
but Alice's cough seemed to spur my words. I cannot tell you what to do, Alice, but you've done plenty already. There's no need to seek power you dunna want just to please others. At that, her eyes lit up, as if I'd suddenly shown her something she'd never considered before. Thank you, Uncle, she said. I, I think I just need to hear it from someone else. I don't want to be selfish or anything, but... You know, I said, standing up, I think we could both use some time on the river. What do you say, lass? The following four years passed gradually and swiftly. The coins continued to come back to me, but I'd given up wondering. Of course, it always seemed when ye come to peace with life that it goes and snaps at ye for taking it for granted. The doctor said it was the frequent boating runs, even in the cold seasons, that brought it on, though it could have been all the socializing with the whole town. But in the end, whatever had brought it into Alice's life... The tuberculosis was going to have the final word. I've been alive and mourning mankind for centuries, and I'd been visiting this place yearly for just over thirty years. Still, when I realized that this were me last time to come here, I won't deny the wave of woe that passed through me heart. Of course, this wasn't the last time I'd be with Alice, but the doctor said that she'd likely be done speaking soon, and we had one last bit of business to attend to. "'You've still... still got some coins, Alice,' I said, kneeling by her bed, "'and I've come to offer ye the thunderclap claws. "'In all the years I've had these things,' she wheezed. <coughs> "'I've never seen the cost. "'You told me that that's cause they're cursed, "'that they... they'd eat me alive, but...' "'She'd stopped to cough, and I'd feared she'd never speak again.' But after a moment, she continued, Oh, boy, the brunt. How, how did I escape? Who took, who took my curse from me? I don't know, love, I confessed. You're the exception, and I didn't know why. I've seen men and women wish themselves wealth and fame and power, and they rotted. What did ye do with it? <coughs> My first wish was for Abby. She never knew math too well, and I knew she'd struggle when I were gone, so I wished for her to get better. On the way to the train station, I saw a beggar, and I wished for money to give him, but then some other man turned around and gave him some money instead. Did that one count, Uncle? I began to realize just what had happened, but I kept it to myself for the time being. Story after story kept coming. Then when the steward was having a tough time loading some lady's luggage, I, I wished for someone to help him, and lo, <laughs> lo and behold, here comes a huge man grabbing the other end, and... Then heave that old thing right into the cart. And so he offered me a spot on his team since I'd helped. <coughs> if she hadn't tutored me through poetry, I might have failed the course, but after a brother's surgery went well. <coughs> Turns out I was the only one not spreading gossip against the others for the position. <clears throat> so it, <clears throat> so it picked me. As she confessed her wishes to me, the pattern laid itself out clearly, and I saw that this wouldn't be a mission fulfilled. Oh, don't get me wrong. Alice was as selfish and greedy as any human. She were no less fallen, but she made the right choices. She invested in the only opportunity that never goes away. 
and the curses had nowhere to go. I wish I could fail like this more often. The last day that Alice lived was a cold, grey day, but she didn't seem to notice. Her doctor had finally allowed her to leave the bed, it weren't like she could make her health any worse, and there were no shortage of people willing to help. She'd asked for the thunderclap claws, and then had written down her last wish, not to be fulfilled with magic, not by a leprechaun, but by her uncle Roger. The river were lined with boats of all kinds, but one three-man ferry, a thank-you gift from a lawyer who'd barely graduated thanks to some timely financial help, had a special passenger. She couldn't row, of course, but she could still race. As thousands of well-wishers and students, many of whom were from out of town, lined the river, I raised the pistol to start the race Talis's finish line. It were a pistol of particular hue, one I cannot speak of, but the thunderclap it gave off still started Alice's last boating trip. She came in first. that was our story. I hope you liked it. I don't know if you could tell, but I actually got a little choked up while narrating that one. It wasn't acting on my part. I was responding to a beautiful story. Thank you, Matt, for rounding out this tale and also giving the leprechaun a name we can refer to him by, even if it's probably not his real name. I also wanted to mention that this week is Matt McKinney's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. May God the Holy Spirit continue to do his work in and through you as you celebrate. So as we go, please remember to submit a story of your own, subscribe to our show, join our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, blog about us, leave us reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find us, and tell your friends. And remember that... This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Please enjoy the song Christ is Lord by Rick Lee James. And if you like what you hear, remember to support his new album, hymns, prayers, and invitations. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you, I wish I could fail like this more often.
human snare. 